You know, God gives us a catalog of events. Some that are joyous and celebratory, some that are difficult and challenging. But in all those things, we can be thankful. And, And as we gather together to worship, we're in the midst of this series that's all about worship. And sometimes we worship in the midst of celebrations of life. Sometimes there are great things that are happening that we just, we just love life at that moment. And sometimes life is incredibly difficult. Sometimes we go through seasons where there's heartache and there's pain and, and we struggle just to make it through the day. And yet somehow God gives us the ability and the passion to continue to worship him. A while back, God started to, to bring this idea into my life that uh, often in the midst of calamity, we become more aware of the movement of God. And it's so, it so tragic that it takes that. But a lot of times it takes there be some sort of calamity in our life for us to become aware of what God's trying to accomplish. And, and I think I saw that throughout my life in a bunch of different experiences. But where it became the most real for me was a, about a decade ago. I was, I was a youth pastor at the time at another church. And we got a chance to go and, and to serve outside of Gulfport, Mississippi. It was right after Hurricane Katrina hit, devastated the, the coast in Louisiana and, and in Mississippi. And, and just the, the region was, was just torn apart. And we had a chance to go there six months after Katrina hit, and then again a year and a half afterwards. And by the time we went there the second time, it was about a year and a half after the, hurricanes, the hurricane hit, most people that were there doing the recovery work had gone home. There was one group that we were working with that stayed there, but most of the federal groups, they'd all gone on. There were other emergencies. And for the most part, that area that was hard hit was left to say, okay, now you have to fend for yourselves. And there was one group that we were working with that stayed there. In fact, some of the people we had a privilege to, to meet had been there for the whole year and a half, and they had committed to be there for two years to help out with the recovery efforts. And here's what I saw. Because we showed up, and, and one of the things they gave for every volunteer, and the number of volunteers changed from week to week. We were there the first year. We had over 200 volunteers. The second year, we had about 50 of us that particular week. And as soon as you showed up, they gave you this audaciously ugly yellow hat. And they said, wherever you go, we want you to wear this hat. And it said kind of the organization you're working for. But it, rec- it, it recognized you as one of our volunteers. And I thought, all right, if you want us to wear the hat, we'll wear the hat. And, and literally, we showed up, and we had this debrief, and we said, okay, we need to go out and get some dinner. We went out to Sonic. And we went out to Sonic to get dinner, and we're all wearing those yellow hats. And they said, wherever you go, if you go out to dinner, wherever you go, wear the hat so that everyone will know you're with, that you're with us. And we showed up, Sonic, just to eat our meal. We had just shown up. And we go to eat our meal, and all these people are coming up saying, man, I want to thank you for the work that you guys have done. And I thought, we've only been here like 30 minutes. We haven't done anything. <laughs> but they don't know that. But what they knew was that the yellow hat people, they didn't necessarily know where they were from, but they knew the yellow hat people had been there for a year and a half, and they weren't going home. Because that second year, we had a chance to work with a family whose home was still a year and a half later, had never been repaired. And so for them, though other areas had been kind of rebuilt, for them, their home had never been repaired. They were still living in a FEMA trailer. They were still getting by day to day. And at that point, as we experienced it in a fresh way that week, that sometimes it takes calamity for us to become aware of the movement of God. God started downloading a couple of things in my mind. First of all, uh, I was a youth pastor with predominantly a student mission trip. And I saw students that had a passion to serve God and that also were very, very talented. And I just started to see that, God, you can use this generation. If you're in middle school or high school, one of the best things you can do is get plugged into youth group and go find an area for you to serve. As adults, we do a very poor job of lowering the bar when it comes to teenagers. And we look and we see all the news clips and we see the reports of stuff that's going on. And we, we say, well, we can't expect much of them. Look at all the stuff that's happening in their culture. 
Instead, our responsibility should be to raise the bar and say, we believe that there's so much more for you and we believe you can accomplish more. And so number one, as a youth pastor, I said, this is what we have to do. We have to raise the bar when it comes to teenagers. We have to get them plugged in. We have to get them serving. We have to get them excited about what God is doing. And the second thing, inappropriate for what we're talking about today, is this idea that when we're consistent in our worship, when we're consistent in our worship, the world sits up and takes note. You see, for most of us, when we hear this idea of worship, when we hear the topic of worship, we think immediately of what happens on Sunday morning. We think of gathering together for worship. And this is worship, but this is only one aspect of worship. I'm convinced that so much more worship happens outside of the doors of this church than ever happens inside of these doors. You see, we're here for, a, for an hour, maybe an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. But our worship extends when we leave these doors. And when there's consistency to our worship, the world sits up and takes note. Today, I'm convinced it's going to be a little bit crazy. Do y'all like, like one of those crazy days? That just, I, I didn't expect this to happen. This is kind of crazy. Do y'all like crazy days? Because today, it needs to be one of those crazy days for this thing to work. Because God's been doing this. We kind of had this whole idea plan of something we're going to talk about. And we have some stuff later on we're going to talk about coming up with our Christmas services and all the stuff that's going to happen there. But right in the midst of that, the last probably 12 or 15 hours... God's redirected a lot of what we're going to talk about today, and I'll explain more about that at the end of this message. So because of that, we've got to kind of fly into this. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Romans chapter 11. If not, the words will appear up on the screen in just a second. But, but here's the deal. For us to understand the context of what we're about to talk about, we're, we're hitting on the theme of having a consistency in worship. And for the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul here is writing to the church in Rome, and he's uh, really, for the first 11 chapters, he's focusing on the mercy of God. And and if if you've gone through Romans at all, you know there's some great verses about God's mercy and and, and what salvation is. Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned, fall short of God's glory. Romans 6.23, the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 tells us that God shows his love towards us while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's all this hope, there's all this this mercy. And Paul writes for 11 chapters about mercy. And he concludes it, we're going to get into Romans 12 in just a second, but he concludes chapter 11 with this, this great song. It's a doxology. It's a song about God's mercy. And so we're going to read that before we get into chapter 12. Chapter 11, picking up in verse 33. It's a song written at the conclusion of this teaching on mercy. And it says this, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? And then verse 36, this is the key. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So he's had this teaching about how merciful God is, how wonderful God is. And at the conclusion of that, he has this song. And at the conclusion of the song, he finishes this out by saying, For from him and through him and to him are all things. We've talked for the last couple of weeks about having an acute awareness of God. And that when I recognize his magnificence, it makes me more aware of my minuteness. And that as I have the picture of who God is, as I lift him up to celebrate him, that his promises, Jesus lifted up, that he's gonna draw people to himself. So we talked about if we're gonna be the church that God has designed us to be, we have to have our hands reaching out in worship to our king, but also our hands outstretched in service to the people he calls us to serve. When we do that, there starts to be consistency. See, we can walk around in this community right now 
And we can ask people, what do, you, what do you think about Christians or what do you think about churches? And some people have a really, really positive view. And there's probably some people that have some negative views. And maybe it's a bad experience they had. Maybe it's just something that they heard. But sometimes there's a negative view because at some point there wasn't a consistency. Listen, we are all humans. There's none of us that is perfect. This is not the perfect church. That doesn't exist. But as we strive to have a consistency in our worship, our goal is that we, have, we experience victory throughout the week so that when we gather together, whether it's like in a setting like this to, to worship or whether it's in our family groups or whether just as believers meeting together to, to just have true fellowship, when we gather together, there's a celebration that happens. It says, I've had victory all week. I've been worshiping God all week. And now as we gather together on Sunday morning, it's a celebration. We're looking for consistency in worship. So he finishes out Romans chapter 11 with this song, with this doxology, saying, God, here's who you are. I love you for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And then in chapter 12, it, ro- it rolls over and it says this. It's, it's going from a song of worship to a practicality in our worship. And it says this. I appeal to you, therefore. Now, here's the deal. Before we go any further, I appeal to you, therefore. A long time ago, when I first started going to church, I remember a pastor getting up and saying, if you ever read in Scripture and try to go through Scripture and you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. I said, okay, well, let's figure that out. So, so we read this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, but what's he appealing to us because of what? Well, it's because of the mercy he's been talking about. For 11 chapters, he's talked about this mercy. And so based upon that mercy, based upon everything that you know, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, as I just said, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Understand the hearers of, of Paul's writing, they were used to the sacrificial system. In the Old Testament, there's a sacrificial system where because we make mistakes and we all make mistakes, it was necessary for there to be animal sacrifice where they killed animals, they killed birds and goats and all these different things as a way to atone for their sins. And so throughout the Old Testament, as they made mistakes, there had to be a dead sacrifice. And Paul writes here and says, listen, that was a sacrificial system in the Old Testament. Today, because of what Jesus did, we don't have to do that any longer. And today, God's desire is not for us to have a dead sacrifice, but that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That I say, God, I want to surrender everything that I have. That, in fact, it's going to get to this where it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is my worship. When I present my body as a living sacrifice, I'm saying, God, I surrender everything that I have in my life. I surrender everything, every desire I have, every want that I have in my life. I'm surrendering all of these things to you because this is my worship. When I do that, there's a consistency between the words that I sing on Sunday morning and the way that I live throughout the week. The first song the band was singing, it it, it kind of struck me because we've talked about this the whole time. But as they're singing, the whole song was about, let me become more aware of your presence. That as we worship God, we're becoming aware of his presence. As we worship God, we say, God, I want you to have everything. And I present my body now, not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice. God wants there to be vitality to our faith. God wants there to be excitement about our faith. We should be passionate about this. And we live a life of passion throughout the week. Then we can't help but when we gather together to celebrate what God is doing. You see, I'm convinced some people want to come to church and they think when I come to church, the lights will be on, the band's going to be playing, they know the right chords to hit and, and they're going to hit this and I'm going to experience this. And, and, and we want to be able to come to church and have that experience. We want to be able to come to church and get our worship on. But if we think we can just come to church and flip a switch and the band's going to play and it's going to give us that feeling, then we're remiss to understand what worship is. 
I can't just show up for an hour on Sunday morning and say, God, you're the most important thing in my life. And I live that throughout the week. But when there's consistency, when throughout the week I'm aware of God's presence, when I'm talking to my kids and I'm aware of, my pre- of God's presence in that conversation, when I'm dealing with the people that I handle at work and I'm aware of God's presence in those relationships, when you're talking to your spouse, when you're hanging out with your friends, being aware of God's presence, saying, God, I know that you're here. And it's not just something I get on Sunday morning, but it's something that throughout the week stays with me. I present my body as a living sacrifice, and this is crazy because we're broken, we're messed up, we make mistakes. But it says that our bodies, when we present them to God, he sees them as holy and acceptable. I say, God, you don't know my life. Like, you don't know how much I've messed up. God says, that doesn't matter. When you present yourself because of what Jesus did, I see that offering as holy and acceptable to me. And when we do that, we say, God, okay, then I surrender. God, I, I give it to you. I want my worship to be consistent. I want there to be consistency in the way that I live. The world sits up and takes note because they're tired of hypocrisy. They're tired of people saying they believe one thing but living another. And so as we become aware of God's presence, we say, God, I present my body now as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is my spiritual worship. And then verse, verse 2 says, and how do you do that? Do not be conformed to this world. Here's what most of us are guilty of. The world has a mold it's trying to fit us in. The world has a mold and says, here's who I want you to be. And, and, and whoever it is for you, it might be friends that you're hanging out with. It might be uh, social circles that you're running in. But they're all trying to fit you in a mold and say, look like this, talk like this, dress like this, act like this, speak like this, fit in in these social circles. And everyone's trying to fit you into a mold. And what we do is we say, okay, we're going to do whatever it takes to conform to that image. And, and for so many of us, we conform to these images of what the world has us look like. And God says, instead of forcing ourselves into a mold that we're not supposed to fit into. Instead of squeezing ourselves into conformity into the world's standards, instead of being conformed to this world, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to be transformed by, our, by the awareness of God, by having our minds checked out, by saying, God, I want to know what you have for me. And so God challenged me, don't just allow me to have a, a, an emotional moment. But let me think this thing through. Let me understand what faith is. Let me have my mind renewed. That as I do this, I'm able to discern what is the will of God. God has a specific will for your life. God has a specific will for my life. The thing is, is that we go all week long, we don't consider God, we don't even think about God. We go about our life doing our thing, and we show up in church on Sunday morning and say, I want to surrender everything. But throughout the week, there's not been that consistency, and we wonder why we don't have an appreciation and understanding of what the will of God is for our life. And here he's speaking, as we surrender our lives, as we do this, that we're able to discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what we're looking for, what we're striving for is consistency in our worship. And what is the out, you know, what is the outcome of that? If I have a consistency in my worship, what is the outcome? We have to go through this quick because we have a lot to get through. So if you're taking notes, write these down real quickly. Four things that I want to get to. If, if, if there's consistency in our worship, a consistent worship delights in the adoration of God and the service of man. Four things that, that happen as an outcome. Number one is we become more aware of the presence of God and the presence of God in our life. If we have consistency to our worship, we become more aware of the presence of God and the presence of God in our life. 
here's the deal. I used to pray this way. I used to come into church services on Sunday morning. I used to go into youth group on Wednesday night. And, and I think sometimes we just do this, and we're in a moment, the lights are kind of down low, and we pray, and we say, God, we want to invite you into this place. A, couple, a little while ago, I, was, I was listened to a worship leader, and they are talking on a subject. They are teaching a subject. And they say, you know, it's kind of funny that we invite God to be here because God's already here. Like, God's, God was here before we were here. And then we show up and we say, God, we want to invite you to be a part of this. And God says, how about this? How about instead of you inviting me to be a part of this, because I'm already here, how about instead of prayers, God, make me more aware of your presence. Like, as my worship is consistent, I realize, man, we showed up here early. The band was here about 7.30 this morning. But when they showed up here, God was already here. And so it's not saying, God, hey, come here. Why don't you come meet with us? God's already here. Instead, our prayer should be, God, when I go into that worship service, make me more aware of your presence because you're already there. When our worship's consistent, we become more aware of the presence of God, the presence of God in our life. Number two, the area, the gap that I talked about earlier, the gap between what we've been taught and how we live will be diminished. See, we, we're all striving to say, we know that we, here's how we should be living and here's how we are living. And we're all human. We all make mistakes. There's always going to be a gap between how we should live and how we do live. But the problem is when I use that as an excuse and I say, well, that's just how it is. We're all, mis- we're all mistake prone. We all make those mistakes. Uh, that, there's going to be a gap. That's fine. There's going to be a gap. But when I start to worship God consistently, the gap between how I should live and how I am living gets diminished. I'm still human. I still make mistakes. But I say, God, I want my body to be presented to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. And so because of that, it's not that I'm ever going to be perfect because I'm not. But the more I worship you, the more that my life is sincere in that worship, and the more I respond to that, the more that gap's diminished. Number three, number three and four are very similar. Number three is the world around us. If we're having consistent worship, the world around us will be aware of the greatness of God because of our practical worship. Next one's similar, but it's going to be different. Our practical worship is not what happens here. Our practical worship is what happens when we're outside the doors of the church, when we engage with people in the community, when we have a chance to serve. Quite a few of you, a couple months ago, we had a chance to go be a part of a day of service, helping out in Eloise and also helping out here in Janfield Village. We had a chance in the last couple weeks to go to, to Janfield Village. There's one house we were working on, the second home, that we had a chance to follow up, and there's some minor work we had to do to finish it up. And a couple of us went over there and we were having a good time. It was kind of loud, crazy. We're having this good time. I mean, Ridgepoint showed up. We're going to have fun with it. And we're out there and we're serving and a couple of guys are kind of a little bit louder. And then as we're finishing up, the lady came out and and again, literally, we just showed up at her house, knocked on her door at one point and said, hey, we want to paint your house and fix some things up. And she was blown away. She says, no one does that for free. And so we show up and we're doing this. And she came out at the end of that second day and she said, I still can't believe you guys did this. She said, what church are you from? I said, oh, we're at Ridgepoint Church. It's right down the road here. And then she, she told me she came from a different religious background altogether. And she told me the background she came from. And she's like, I could never imagine those people coming here to fix my house. And here I had these guys who were loud and kind of raucous, having a celebration as we're doing this. And they just got dead silent. They didn't know what to say. We don't always get this right. But when our worship is consistent, when there's practical worship going on, the world sits up and says, I want to know what this is about. There's something genuine. There's something sincere. Along those lines, the last one. The world around us will become aware when we're consistent in our worship, 
of God. The world around us will become aware of the greatness of God because they see our physical worship. Number three is our practical worship. Number four is our our physical worship. Here's what's on my heart. Is that as those people, and I know this might not be everybody, but as, as we're trying to be those people who follow Christ, God is a person, or God is God who should be enjoyed. See, as the world looks around and they see churches that are sometimes people that are hypocritical, and we all are at some point. But they come into church, maybe they say, I'm going to check out this church thing, I'm going to see what, it, what is behind it. And they show up and, and they see a group of people that it's like they're not, they don't even want to be there. God is a God who's supposed to be enjoyed. In fact, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And when we show up at church and, and we're enjoying being in the presence of God, when we've lived that consistently throughout the week, we've lived in victory and we come to church and there's freedom and, and, and we're coming together to worship, people see that and they say, I don't even know if I believe any of this stuff. But when I see this group of people trying to follow Christ, I can't get away from the idea that they're enjoying being in God's presence. And for the person today who is outside of Christ who says, I don't even know if I believe any of this stuff, when they come in and they see people genuinely enjoying the presence of God, it makes a profound difference in their life. It doesn't mean necessarily they're going to come to a spot of believing. But they can't deny that you believe. When they see you actually enjoying the presence of God, they can't deny that you believe. So here's the deal, and here's where things get crazy. We've been, we've been talking about this idea of, of practical worship, and, and the way that we lift our hands in worship has to be matched by the way that we serve. And we already had some ideas coming up with Christmas. I'll get to that a little bit later. We're going to talk about some of those things. But most of you guys know Brett Durbin, who works with Trash Mountain Project. If, if, if not... Uh, Brett's a good friend of people at Ridgepoint Church, a good friend of the church itself, and he's been here a couple of times. We've gone on mission trips with them. And, and if you follow them at all on Facebook or any of that stuff, they're actually right now in the Philippines. Uh, you know that there's a, just a horrific typhoon that came through there, high end came through there, and just devastated their region. They've had over 5,000 people confirmed dead. There's like 1.2 million people that have lost their homes. And so last week, Brett actually texted us and said, hey, would the church pray for us? We're getting ready to go there. It's the craziest situation we've ever been in. Throughout the week, I've had a chance to communicate back and forth with Brett. And, and last night, we had some stuff going on. We came home last night, and Brett said, hey, I need to talk to you real quick. And he said that literally, and they're about 13 hours ahead of us. So it was last night for us, but it was actually Sunday morning for them. And they're in a church service. And he said, we just met a lady. Uh, her name's Pressy. And this is actually a picture of Pressy right here. Pressy is a widow. Her husband died in the typhoon. And she has five children. Uh, that area next to her on, on her right, on our left, uh, was her house. That rubble was her house. And here, as you he met her, they actually invited her to come to church. And she shared the story. And, and right away, Brett said, we need to do something about this. And so he texted me. We started talking back and forth. He said, here's what she needs right now. He said, she needs emergency housing because the government won't allow her kids to come back to her until she has some sort of housing set up. And he actually wanted to call this morning, and, and has, he has a satellite phone. We're going to be able to talk to him. But right now, it'd be about 12, 15, their time in the middle of the night. And so he's a little bit exhausted. So instead, he called and left a voicemail that we're going to play right now. This is Brett Durbin from Trash Mountain Project. Hey, Ridgepoint Church. This is Brett Durbin with Trash Mountain Project. I hope that you can hear me okay. I'm actually calling from uh, Tacloban in the Philippines, which uh, many of you are aware is 
the most uh, highly affected area uh, throughout the country uh, from the recent typhoon. And uh, we're here with some of our church partners, uh, just a group of three of us from our staff, and then uh, working with the church here, uh, just staying right in the middle of uh, one of the flattened and just absolutely just destroyed neighborhoods um, uh, here on this island. And um, it was just an overwhelming experience coming in and um, seeing all the aid that's going on just from different countries and uh, driving in and seeing, uh, you know, body bags along the side of the street with, you know, kids and adults and um, just a lot to take in. But um, as we as we went into this neighborhood that we're staying in, uh, that we're actually um, actually calling you from a tent <laughs> that we're, uh, we're going to be uh, out here um, just uh, helping with some relief efforts. Uh, we met uh, two women that were both actually widowed uh, recently uh, from the from the storm. They both lost their husbands. Uh, both of them, they each had five kids. Their uh, homes were destroyed, and we invited them to worship uh, with us this morning. And uh, their one prayer was just that they could um, have their homes back and that they could have new homes uh, because right now their kids are actually um, going to be um, they're staying in government um, housing until the parent can provide. Um, the proper uh, uh, housing for them. Sorry about the noise. <laughs> that was actually a gigantic plane going right overhead. We're near the airport, uh, bringing in more relief. So, um, but uh, but if you heard me, um, they are both uh, just in need of homes. And our plan is actually to build temporary homes for them with materials that can then be used permanently once the government decides uh, what's going to happen with the land. Um, and then this morning when we were actually in the middle of this service, uh, JJ um, had, uh, had said that Ridgepoint really wanted to help with this. And um, it's just our request on behalf of these ladies. Um, they're just sweet ladies. One's named uh, Pressy and the other is Leah. Um, uh, just to be able to get them reunited with their children and get them into housing. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty simple move for us to be able to, to put this together, uh, but we need your help. So um, we just appreciate you offering um, as a church to just join together with us and the Philippine Church um, and with Trash Mountain and just everybody that's involved in this. So this is a, a global thing, and it's a, uh, it's a global church effort. So uh, just thank you so much uh, for anything you can do. Uh, we'll give you a full report when we get back. Uh, we love you, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. So we were looking to do something similar to this. You know, we do something around Christmas time every year, and obviously there's a, a big need right there in the Philippines. But as I was talking to Brett last night, Brett's like, that's really cool, but she doesn't have her kids. Like, her kids can't come be with her until they have emergency housing set up. And I said, okay, well, how much would it cost for emergency housing? And he said, uh, it would cost $2,000, which includes a couple of things. It, about $1,750 for the emergency housing, which can be used, as he said, on the permanent housing. Uh, it also allows them to have food and, and water stuff set up, about $250 worth. And, and so I, I asked you earlier, are we crazy or ready for crazy this morning? So our goal today is for us to raise $2,000 today. And that can happen here on Sunday morning in church. It can happen online throughout the day. But our goal is that by the end of today that we're able to raise $2,000 to be able to provide a, a temporary home for Pressy, which will eventually be turned into a permanent home for her once they figure out what that will look like. Uh, so that's our goal right now. And here's the crazy thing that as, as we look to do this, because we've done stuff like this in the past. In fact, if you've been around Ridge Point for a while, you know that this has kind of become RMO. This is, this is what we do. 
Uh, we had a lot of contractors that got plugged in and, and serving and going overseas, doing all this stuff. And so we started building homes. And we've built homes in Dominican Republic and Honduras. We've done a lot of that type stuff. Um, sometimes I think we can lose the, the picture of what it's like for those families. And I thought about it because when I was texting Brad, I didn't get the whole story. But as I heard him and talked to him, um, I started thinking about it from her perspective for a second. She showed up yesterday morning or this morning at, at church with little hope. She'd lost her husband. Her kids were not allowed to be with her. And she shows up at the church service praying, saying, God, I need a home. I don't even know how this is going to work out. I need $2,000 that I don't have. And she meets Brett, and Brett sends a text message, and I say, yeah, all right, we'll do it. And we don't think much about it because this is what we've always done. But for her, she walked in with this American who she never met before, with a church that she'd never heard of before, in an area that she'd never heard of. And Brett, within a matter of minutes, she's praying for it. And Brett says, okay, we're going to do it for you. It's crazy that God allows us to be used in that way. And it's above us. We, like, we don't even deserve that. But God allows us to be used as a vessel to make a difference. And so that's our goal is that we say, God, we want our worship to be consistent. We have some other stuff. We're going to talk about Christmas in just a second. But throughout the day, if you want to give, there's a couple of ways you can do it. First of all, on the way out, if you have some money you want to drop off, uh, the guest services team will be back in the back. If you want to, they'll, they'll be back there if you want to do it that way. But also on the kiosk back in the back, there's a separate thing set up for Pressy. You can give to her, to her specifically or you can do it online as well. Uh, both those are areas designated specifically for her and that money will go to her uh, being able to get towards that $2,000 to, to be able to build the temporary home for her. If you have any questions about that, come see me. But let's do this. We're going to pray. We're going to have one more song of worship and then one more thing we want to share. So let's do that. <laughs>